Welcome to another edition of the 1% Better Podcast with your host, Rob O'Donoghue. Hey guys, so part two of the two-part intro on emotional intelligence for this series called Me, Myself and EI. And I really do hope you enjoy this one as we get into a little bit more detail on emotional intelligence, why it's important and some how-tos to start the ball rolling. Enjoy. Hey folks, welcome back to the series on emotional intelligence. And in this second part of the intro, we're going to talk about why emotional intelligence is of value or beneficial. Talk about applied EQ. So some examples in different parts of your life where you can see emotional intelligence, the signs of high and low EQ, EQ and how it's related to performance, how it's related to leadership, touching on EQ and ego and some basic elements of developing EQ and hopefully that'll give a a good rounded view of the whole area before we dive into uh, the next episode which will go into detail on a different topic in this area. Okay, so why is EQ or EI important? Research shows that strong emotional and social skills carry 60% of the responsibility for a person's success in the workplace, overshadowing such skills as time management, motivation, vision and communication. Employers can harness the power of EI by teaching workers these important skills. Emotional intelligence also has health benefits. If you listen to your gut and tap into your intuition on on occasion um, and take sensible action to reduce your emotional distress, you're likely to become more resilient to disease, anxiety, depression, and actually heal more quickly. And there's research to show this is the case. It even states here that research also shows that teaching emotional intelligence skills to breast cancer patients enhances their recovery. Among all different job groups, people with higher EQ perform better. Being outgoing or shy doesn't affect your EQ skills, which is good to know. Skills that you can work on are more important, such as realizing when you're having a strong emotional reaction, not letting your feelings get the best of you, reading other people's subtle behavior cues, which is definitely a big part of emotional intelligence where you talk about empathy and, and, and tapping into the behaviors of others. You see their point of view and build uh, relationships is very important as well. So looking at things from their perspective. While I, I said this already, I'll say it again, you can't raise your IQ and um, that's pretty much set from a certain age, but you can raise your EQ. You can hire your EQ score with developing these competencies using tools that we'll talk about. Okay, this next section is what is called Applied EQ or Applied Emotional Intelligence. And it's just some examples, I suppose, from different parts of life, be it work or at home, that you can see the value of emotional intelligence and how it can play out. It's taken from an article that I extracted online. Now, I'll put links in the show notes to nearly all of the stuff that um, I reference and and read from here. But uh, I thought this might be useful. It goes into a few different sections. um, And the first one is around management. So if you're in a management role, this might be interesting. The arrogance some bosses project 
and the bad morale that they create diminish productivity and drive employees away. Applying emotional intelligence to avoid such negative outcomes in a business environment is simply cost-effective organizational management. Feedback is the basic currency of managerial emotional intelligence. It's so important. We will go into a lot of detail on feedback in an episode. Managers must learn to provide it and accept it intelligently. So how often does your manager give you feedback and do you give them feedback or vice versa? They should not see feedback either as a criticism or as a personal attack. To deliver an artful critique, speak to the other person face-to-face, Exercise your sense of empathy, again, a critical component of EI and one we'll go into a full episode on. Convey specific praise as well as criticism. Focus on solutions. Don't always be looking at the problem. Those on the receiving end of criticism should learn to hear it as a valuable information, not to overreact. In an economy dominated by knowledge workers, the concept of group emotional quotient or EQ, group EQ, is critical. So successful teams are based on the ability of team members to work together in harmony and take advantage of each each person's talents. And that is again part of the framework. And when we go into social relationships and competencies around developing others and teamwork and collaboration that'll become very very important so that's management so another one that's more at home is marriage and it says emotional intelligence can help counteract the social and personal tensions that marriages are put through men and women can learn different emotional skills as children harsh criticism is a key warning sign of trouble in a marriage for harmony, people must learn to criticize an action without attacking the person who committed the act. Personal attacks leave people feeling ashamed and defensive and can trigger the fight-or-flight responses. And that actually ties in with the amygdala, which we uh, talked about in the brain earlier. So everybody probably gets into arguments, but it's being aware when that happens and not reacting. Developing your impulse control is critical here and staying in the moment, not freezing and not fighting or flighting, but just letting it settle in and then taking the required next steps uh, is definitely a skill that you can develop. I know from personal experience, that's one I've managed to work on a lot over the last few years. And I think uh, with that, it definitely brings value and it's very important. Another one that you might think about, but uh, as it ties into the home life is child raising. Studies of children show a decline in their emotional health across the industrialized world. This trend is reflected in widespread withdrawal, anxiety and depression, attention disorders and delinquent behavior. Children and adults should be trained in the five key emotional intelligence skills or or segments from an early age. And I think there is more and more of a drive now in schools to start looking at emotional intelligence as something that can be taught and given attention to, you know, EQ is not really looked at that much, certainly when I was going to school at all, but I think there's more and more uh, perspective given to it now, as you probably know, mindfulness and and meditation classes are happening more and more, which is great, and that certainly helps with self-awareness and tapping into who you are and what's going on for you, and the sooner we get kids into the habit of that, as well as adults, the, uh, the better and the more value that it'll bring. A final section here on the applied EQ is around medicine. So the emotional brain is closely tied to the immune system. 
Stress makes people more susceptible to infectious diseases. Hostility has long been associated with heart disease. But any intense negative emotions can harm your physical well-being. Relaxation exercises are good for a countermeasure. So is self-confession. And talking about problems even enhances your immune function, your immune function even. Doctors should learn that managing feelings is a form of disease prevention and that patients do better when their psychological needs are met. And I've heard it recently more and more around prescribing instead of medicine in the form of tablet uh, and chemicals, medicine in the form of exercise, medicine in the form of talking to somebody and joining a social group uh, because the value and the benefits of those are absolutely massive and and more and more people get fit and get exercise and maybe join a, a some sort of community um they can add value and, and that again that touches on so much of the different competencies in emotional intelligence so that's some just so some examples of the applied elements of eq so the next section talks about how do you know if you have high or low eq or if somebody has and i have a table around low eq here and just some words associated with traits, unhappiness, frustration, emptiness, bitterness, depression, instability, low self-esteem, experience failure, dejection, anger, dependence, loneliness, stress, and having a fragile ego. They're all things that are considered characteristics of somebody with low EQ. And Maybe just going into some examples and a little bit more detail on a few of these. So if if you get stressed easily, when you stuff your feelings, they quickly build into the uncomfortable sensations of tension, stress and anxiety. And we will do a full episode on overcoming stress and overwhelm. Unaddressed emotions constrain the mind and body. Your emotional intelligence skills help make stress more manageable by enabling you to spot and tackle those difficult situations before they escalate. So have you ever been in a situation where you maybe had confrontation with somebody and it caused you to stress, but you did nothing about it and maybe the easiest path there would be to go back and talk to that person and try and smooth things out, but you left it sit for a long time and that can build uh, the extra levels of stress higher. So people who fail to use their emotional intelligence skills are more likely to turn to other less effective measures uh, and means of managing their mood. And as a result, they're twice as likely to experience anxiety, depression, substance abuse, and even thoughts of suicide, which is quite drastic. But it is failing to use your emotional intelligence skills or or tapping into them that can uh, exacerbate stress for sure. Another one is you have a difficulty uh, asserting yourself. So people with high EQ balance good manners, empathy and kindness with the ability to assert themselves and establish boundaries. This tactful combination is ideal for handling conflict. When most people are cross, they, or when most people are crossed even, they default to a passive or aggressive behaviour. Emotionally intelligent people remain balanced and assertive by steering themselves away from unfiltered emotional reactions. This enables them to neutralize difficult and toxic people without creating enemies. So have you, in a situation either at work or at home, confronted somebody and you had your clear, assertive topic that you wanted to talk about and how you were going to deliver it and and you stayed calm, but... Maybe the other person didn't. Maybe they reacted. Uh, Their impulse control took over again and it just uh, spiraled. Those scenarios 
definitely show the different sides of, of EQ and how that can be managed or how it can't. And uh, being aware of it, and, and that happens, you know, it happens to everybody just because maybe in one scenario you're okay, the next time something else happens you um, doesn't, don't react as well. That is part of EQ and, and areas like emotional impulse control, as I mentioned, is, is one you can develop, but it goes back to self-awareness. Another one is you have a limited emotional vocabulary. All people experience emotions, but it is a select few who can accurately identify them as they occur. The research here says 36% of people can do this, which is problematic because unlabeled emotions often go misunderstood, which leads to irrational choices and counterproductive actions. People with high EQ master their emotions because they understand them and they use an extensive vocabulary to do so. While many people might describe themselves as feeling bad, emotionally intelligent people can pinpoint the actual emotion. Is it irritation? Is it frustration? Is it downtrodden? Is it anxious? Is it full-on depressed? Uh, or depressed? You know, there's definitely better words than, than bad. I'm feeling bad. I'm having a bad day. And it's better to be able to label it because it's it's putting a distinction between one general general or generic term into a specific area. Because if you, maybe if it's one that you're specific about, you then have a, an idea or an action plan potentially to address it to get you out of that state. And that's very important. The more specific word you choose, the better insight you have in exactly how you're feeling and what caused it and what you should do about it. So think about that. The language you use when you're having a bad day um are you feeling one of our primary emotions or a secondary emotion that isn't so positive can you pinpoint it can you give it a name and can you then maybe think about or reflect on it and understand why that one is specifically um causing you so much pain at that time another one you make assumptions quickly and defend them vehemently so people who lack eq form an opinion quickly and then can, can succumb to confirmation bias meaning they give evidence that they've gathered to support their opinion only and ignore any evidence to the contrary more often than not they argue ad nauseum to support it this is especially dangerous for leaders as their under-thought-out ideas become the entire team's energy. Emotional intelligence people let their thoughts marinate because they know that their initial reactions are driven by emotions. They give their thoughts time to develop and consider the possible consequences and counter-arguments. They then communicate their developed idea in a most effective way, taking into account the needs and opinions of others. And that is so true if anyone can connect into some examples as I talk through that there. I know a lot of things are coming up for me as I, as I kind of talk through that. And I, I know myself, if maybe in the past, if uh, something popped into my head in a, in a meeting that I felt was the right answer in that spur of the moment and said it out, but didn't give it much thought, didn't let it ponder, maybe said it to get the attention or the recognition that I wanted or craved in that moment, it didn't actually work out so well. So if I had taken some time, thought about it a little bit more, developed the idea, came back with a more coherent, rounded view, or maybe asked somebody else for some opinions on it, and then delivered it, you're in a more learned and a more well-balanced way, as opposed to making these assumptions or decisions very quickly. So that's just something, again, to, to think about. 
One more, you don't hold grudges or you do hold grudges if you have low EQ. The negative emotions that come with holding grudges uh, are actually a stress response back to stress. Just thinking about the event sends your body into flight or fight mode again, a survival mechanism that forces you to stand up for yourself or fight and run for the hills when faced with a threat. When a threat is imminent, this reaction is essential to your survival. It's part of our uh, is it our reptilian brain or maybe maybe something that came with us from our um, uh, caveman days? And then a threat is ancient history. Holding out to that stress wreaks havoc on your body and can have a devastating health consequence for you over time. In fact, researchers at Emory University have shown that holding on to the stress contributes to high blood pressure and heart disease. Holding on to grudges means you're holding on to stress and emotionally intelligent people know how to avoid this at all costs. Letting go of a grudge not only makes you feel better, but now can improve your health. And I absolutely agree to that. Um, and and even, you know, talking to somebody that you were holding a grudge to and just having a chat about the situation, it, it's a very emotional, emotionally intelligent response. Uh, shows you're taking the higher ground, one of my previous managers always says take the higher ground and uh, that stuck with me and and you definitely feel better you're taking the first step and rather having rather than having some sort of standoff that uh, doesn't really do anyone any benefits overall right um okay so let me read a couple more because there's so many and they're good ones about low eq you don't let go of mistakes emotionally intelligent people don't distance themselves from their mistakes but they do so without forgetting them. By keeping their mistakes at a safe distance, yet handy enough to refer to, they're able to adapt and adjust for future success. It takes refined self-awareness to walk this tightrope between dwelling and remembering. So you're reflecting on it, learning from it, but not hanging on to it. That's very important. Dwelling too long on your mistakes makes you anxious and gun-shy while forgetting them uh, about them completely makes you bound to repeat them. This tightrope balance definitely stands out for me. The key to balancing these uh, lies in your ability to transform failures into nuggets of improvement. And this creates the tendency to get right back up every time you fall down. And that, again, taps into resilience, which we will talk about in uh, another episode. So that's there's a few. There's definitely more. Again, I'll, if you type in... Um, examples of low EQ, you'll get more, but I think we've hit on a couple of interesting ones there. Um, maybe one final one is you don't get angry. Emotionally intelligent people uh, tend to control their anger. Um, it is Emotional intelligence is not about being nice. It's about managing your emotions to achieve the best possible outcome. Sometimes this means showing people that you're upset, sad or frustrated, naming your, your emotions again, constantly masking your emotions with happiness and positivity isn't genuine or productive and if you have high IQ you can see the people that are constantly putting on that happy go lucky frame when maybe that's not the reality and you can see through that and that taps into authenticity as well so emotional intelligence people employ negative and positive emotions intentionally in the appropriate situations so you know uh, again I've read a lot about being happy too much of the time is not a is not a good thing because you miss certain things. You're you're blind to reality in some ways, and that can lead to challenges itself. So, 
labeling your emotions and angry um you know maybe isn't the right word but being negative and positive can uh, bring its own benefits so there's a good list of eq low and high and ones that you can ponder over and hopefully uh hopefully a few of those have hit home and give you something to think about and just actually something i missed there back at the start of that piece i talked about high eq traits or or words that associated sorry low eq words that associated with um with that whole spectrum and for high eq some words that you might think of probably touched on them happiness elation peace awareness acceptance comfort high self-esteem satisfaction contentment freedom appreciation motivation desire and a balanced ego do many of those stand out if you were to do a self-assessment how many of those are prominent for you give you just kind of an insight of, of of terms and words that are associated with both high iq and eq as i was doing the research a lot of stuff kept coming up around high eq and high performers so i've just a few bullet points here just that i'd share these at this juncture when emotional intelligence first appeared to the masses it served as the missing link in a peculiar finding people with average iqs outperformed those with the highest IQs, 70% of the time. This anomaly threw a, a massive wrench into the broadly held assumption that IQ was the sole source of success. And as I read that, I remember that was one of the key things that I took away from Goldman's book when I read it the first time, was that in university or in secondary school, when you were there, and if some of the, the students were the, the, the straight A students, when they went to university or to the working world, that didn't always map completely to becoming the highest performers in the working environment whereas some of the more middle of the road like myself in in secondary and maybe university were high eq middle of the road have tended to do a little bit better when i got into the world of um, business and the corporate world because eq tends to be connected very closely with performance in that environment because you're drawing on a different set of skills, um, which is interesting. And that, I remember at the time, stood out for me, giving me hope, I think, uh, in, in uh, my corporate career. A decades re- research now point to emotional intelligence as being a critical factor that sets the bar, the star performers apart from the rest of the pack. The connection is so strong that 90% of top performers have high emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence is just something in each of us that is a bit intangible it affects how we manage behavior navigate social complexities and make personal decisions to achieve positive results and just a few bullet points facts that i I, I pulled out just because you have high eq doesn't mean sorry just because you have high iq doesn't mean you have high eq top performers in within any given group generally have the highest eq mid-level managers and customer service representatives typically have high eq so those de- dealing with customers a lot of the time have that intuition have that ability to understand listen ask the right questions and empathize with with the the customers and, and get the better results eq changes over time people typically get more emotionally smarter as they age and that's just true life experiences more than anything as well as some of the, the development skills you can put in 
Pay attention to your emotions and, and learn to govern these. Listen respectfully to people and pay attention to their feelings. This is just some advice. Cultivate interpersonal relationships for greater personal and career satisfaction and improve one small area. This is, again, just advice. One, one small area of your emotional intelligence and the benefits will continue to grow. So that's just interesting facts around EQ. Okay, we're near the end of this first kind of general introduction and there's just two more sections I wanted to touch on. The first one is around EQ and leadership. So we talked about high performance and EQ, but EQ and leadership and explain why this is so important. And leadership and EQ, as I said, will be touched on in more detail down the road. But one of the things I like to do when I'm doing a group coaching session uh, is start with an exercise around thinking of a leader you admire and ask individuals to kind of take a minute what leader comes to mind and think about a a key trait or traits that stand out in that leader and then we share that back and kind of do a a brainstorm or or put all the the kind of key ones on the board and what always stands out for me is that the key traits or behaviors are very much in line with the emotional intelligence framework it's very rare if at all that and many of these skills or competencies that stand out that in, make these people think they're great leaders are, that are inspired by them are technical skills. It tends to be communication or the ability to be empathetic or inspirational or helping others, service to others. All of these are absolute core emotional intelligence competencies. And and that just kind of reinforces why EQ and leadership are so, so locked together. And that's just one thing I wanted you to kind of think about. When you think of a leader, what stands out? And then does it map to many of the, the topics we touched on already? Um, I'm sure it will, uh, as we get into the latter episodes, come become very, very clear as well. So this next piece is just about ego and what about leaders that have ego is this good or bad and i I took a a book summary from a lady called jen shrikani and the book is called ego versus eq how top leaders beat eight ego traps with emotional intelligence and maybe it's something you want to check out i'll put a link in the notes again but i'm just going to read a few little bits of uh, segments here from these eight ego traps and I'll read through it. High executive level leaders often allow their inflated egos to undermine common sense and smart decision making. According to Jen Fakani, you can find the remedy for that by tapping into your EQ or your emotional intelligence. So one of the traps here, ignore feedback. People aren't drawn to perfection. They are inspired and influenced by vulnerability, humility and courage. Leaders who are unwilling or unable to recognize their own deficiencies are much more likely to sabotage their careers. Though listening to criticism is difficult, particularly for executives with formidable egos, ignoring or not soliciting feedback can be detrimental to your business. If you are unaware of the impact of your actions, you create barriers between you and your staff members that undermine your authority and credibility. A high degree of self-awareness correlates with success in driving results and managing talent. 
once you rise to the upper ranks of your organization, it can be very difficult to get objective feedback about your performance. So that is one ego trap, not listening to feedback and being aware of that, holding that close, not feeling like you've always met it um, is difficult. Um, But creating structures around how you get that feedback will be very important. And uh, again, we do talk a lot of feedback in the future, but just this is tapping into ego, leadership and EQ. Another one, tech skills trump leadership skills. Just back to that question earlier, does tech skills come up when you think of a leader? Organizations often promote employees based on their technical skills and knowledge. The brilliant attorney ascends the corporate ladder based on his courtroom expertise. The best computer programmer ends up in charge of the IT department and the most successful salesperson becomes a regional sales manager. Companies hand out promotions for achievement without considering future manager uh, leadership and people skills. And that's uh, another trap. EQ skills become even more important the higher you rise up your company. New managers may not understand that their specialized skills and know-how are not enough to understand and uh, empower them for success. They must be empathetic, able to instill confidence and unthreatened by the success of others. And when I read that piece, the book or the term, I suppose, the Peter Principle comes to mind. And if you've never read it or heard of it, just check Google it. Um, and it's something that came out in the 60s where your people are getting hired and promoted to the level of their incompetence so that they're getting promoted based on the job they've done, not the job they might be able to do in the future. And this was even way before EQ came in and really correlates well with it. Another one, control freaks. Some control freaks see themselves as indispensable. They believe nothing can be accomplished without their input and expertise. Others are afraid of losing touch with the day-to-day operations or being perceived as lazy fat cats. Some executives don't understand the distinction between control, ensuring the execution of management directors, uh, directives and leadership, setting goals and empowering others to carry out your plans. When you hire others who live on your wavelength, you unintentionally create support system of people who are not equipped to challenge you or to question your thinking. Is group think a thing there? This is coming up for me. You know, you're you're hiring the same skill set, the same mindset. You're not thinking outside the box and you're not getting challenged. Relinquishing control means stepping back to assess the situation instead of instinctively jumping into the fray. Do you trust your employees? Have you created a firm favorable envi- environment that helps them succeed? Does your involvement exercise or energize or excite the team or stifle and irritate it? Some interesting ones there. The last one around ego and an EQ named relapsing back to your old ways. Applying emotional intelligence is only part of the success equation. You must remain committed to the EQ concept, especially when you're tempted to return to old ego-driven habits, incidents and situations at work can trigger a relapse that will foster skepticism among your team members about your sincerity and dedication. Once lost, credibility is difficult to regain. Adopting an EQ mentality often forces executives to leave their comfort zone. Staying vigilant and focused requires a conscious effort to exercise self-awareness, sensitivity and empathy. If you feel yourself slipping, take time for self-evaluation. Acknowledge that you aren't perfect and let your flaws show. Your employees will admire you for committing to emotional intelligence. So again, how often have you been in environments where maybe your leader has made a step forward? You've 
seeing an improvement, but then when the pressure comes on, that they revert to old habits and old ways of doing things. And that's just the uh, easy way for them. Uh, and, and, and that could be something that is very obvious to you, but not, not to them, to be fair. And, you know, maybe that's where the feedback comes in and that's where the, the trust comes in and that's where you can talk to them about it and acknowledge, they may acknowledge that they're, um, they need to work on things again. So ego can play a big role in a lot of this, especially for leaders, the higher up they go. And it is important to be aware of it. So hopefully that whole area around ego and leadership is relevant to what your environment is like or something might come up as a as you listen to it the last part i'm going to touch on this kind of going to go into more detail obviously in all the coming up episodes this is how can eq be developed and how can you improve it how can you strengthen that eq muscle work on yourself in five areas so practice self-awareness before working on difficult emotions you must know what they are turn off distractions and tune into your feelings especially if they're uncomfortable you can do this by regular spending time in silence or meditation. Get a meditation app, any of those ones that are free, insight timers don't I use, and familiar, familiarize yourself with your emotions without labeling them as good or bad and learn what triggers them. So to really develop self-awareness in one sentence is just stay in silence, pay attention to what's going on, and maybe even write that down afterwards, Take a, start journaling, that'll help. Um, We'll go into more detail. Number two, channeling your emotions well. Although you have little control over what emotions might arise, which is very true, you can't control all these things that come in in your mind and and then triggers into your body and into your feelings. It's very much within your power to decide what to do with them. Treat emotions as neural inputs and then decide on the response that is appropriate. Number three, learn to motivate yourself. Contrary to popular belief, you don't need to feel motivated before doing something. Motivated Motivation often kicks in after you've started the activity that you want to engage in. And believe me, that is very true. As I talk through this, I'm doing this in the morning time around 5.30 when I start. And when I get up and do 10 minutes kind of breathing and stretching and it's my brain is going into override for all the different reasons that I should be doing other things or not doing this. And I know that by starting the record button, hitting that and, and starting to talk, the motivation uh, develops and grows. And while I love doing this, sometimes it's difficult. Some days you just get up out of the wrong side of the bed or not feel great. But I know by doing it, I'll start getting more and more into it. And the hardest part, as is often the case, is just starting. The same, I would say, is when I go for 5K runs. Sometimes the hardest part is just starting putting on my gear and getting out the door. And uh, others have connected and related to that as well. So go by doing something, go by the doing something principle and take action regardless of whether you're in the mood for it or not. More often than not, getting started will spark the motivation to keep going. And I absolutely agree. Number four, recognize emotions in others to create healthier relationships. So this goes into the sections of social relationship, which we'll dive into in detail. But in order to cultivate better relationships with your spouse, relatives or loved ones, learn to understand their emotional needs. Increase your empathy skills by becoming a good listener and sharing your vulnerability with others. Try to understand other people 
on their own terms instead instead of using people for your own benefit. Be empathetic. Seek to understand what's going on. Then you can relate to it. And then compassion. What can you do to help them in those situations? Infuse your emotions with values. Developing EQ isn't a virtue if you use your people skills to manipulate or track or trick others. Hence, you need to define the values you want to direct your emotions and the actions they invoke toward. And I will put a link in. Uh, I did an episode on how to figure out your own core values. Did this about two years ago or 18 months ago at the time of recording. And I have an article, a blog on it as well. And it's important to infuse your emotion with your values, but if you don't know what your values are first, uh, that's a challenge. So definitely taking the time out to figure out what your core values are is very useful. Just a couple more. How can you boost your EQ? So you can build stronger emotional intelligence. That's great. The key to permanent change is repetition. If you practice EQ skills regularly, regardless of your age, they will get easier over time. To increase your EQ, don't try to improve all skills at once. Don't do everything at once. Pick one thing because it'll be too overwhelming. Focus on just the one and identify concrete steps you can take to improve it. Set such as specific reminders like remembering to listen respectfully and not let people finish speaking before you jump in and talk. And to let people finish finish speaking before you jump in and talk, that would be good. Not every leader or boss has high EQ, but those that do are better able to make the most of what they've got. EQ is about achieving your potential. When I was talking through that, I remember coaching some uh, emerging leaders and one of the things that they had come in on a low EQ score around being straightforward, not being able to maybe speak up in meetings and how do you get better at that and it is something you can develop like how many times have you been in a meeting or walked out of a meeting and biting your tongue saying shit I should have said something there and somebody else said it and they got the credit for it it's setting yourself a little challenge every meeting or every week to speak up that little bit more and at the end of the day or at the end of the week how many times did you actually do that counting it Um, If you had the opportunity to do it 20 times and this week you've done it 10, that's progress. You can measure it. And over time, you just build that into a habit and you forget about the consequences of opening your mouth and maybe getting negative feedback. And it plays into your ongoing developing of that skill of being straightforward. As an example, there are so many out there, but this is just one. It gives an example here. For uh, example, musician Ray Charles's life changed when he finally released the grief he felt at losing his mother he embraced his emotions and used them to fuel his musical talent even incorporating an anguished cry into his trademark vocal style knowing himself and using his emotions in his work helped him achieve his personal uh, competence knowing thyself is very very important another one become an anthropologist people with social skills that are poor are unaware of the impression they make take for example a boss who cuts off staff members when they speak a skilled human resources manager could survey that boss's employees and provide useful eye-opening feedback 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 by taking small steps to correct any communication problem the manager could then vastly improve staff relationships and retention listening is another example as a critical but often forgotten skill to listen correctly turn off your internal chatter put aside distractions be silent and focus this makes people feel respected and heard 
and enhances relationships. And we'll do an episode on listening and all the different levels of listening. To heighten your ability to pick up on other people's emotional states, pretend you're a scientist. Collecting data through observation. Notice body language, tone and volume of voice, speed of movement. To avoid misinterpreting cues, ask clarifying questions such as, does this mean you're disappointed? When communicating, notice your feelings about the situation and other people's emotions. To try to create rapport, get people to listening to you is tougher when you lack a personal connection. So NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, check that out. There's lots of uh, rapport building tools you can use there. But this is very much the anthropologist's view. Be very aware of what's going on in other people's body language and how they're presenting themselves. And you can tune in and tap into that and play with it. It's fun. It's, it's something different. Not be going on autopilot all the time. And, you know, rather than confronting people and putting them defensive, take yourself out of the situation, calm yourself, take responsibility for your own uh, friction-provoking actions and express an interest in others. That is very, very important. And the anthropologist view is good. And last one, taking emotional intelligence home. So examples here around maybe relationships. Emotionally intelligent couples understand that maintaining their relationship will keep their partnership operating smoothly. So giving time to the relationship research demonstrates that a couple's level of disagreement is not that important. What matters is the effort the pair extends to repair any conflicts. Repairing a relationship requires putting emotions aside long enough for both people to remain and regain their composure, see the situation from the opposite perspectives, and that's a big thing, looking at things from different perspectives. It's an NLP technique, but it's um, it's very useful in different scenarios, certainly with uh, leadership and in, in developing emotional intelligence. But looking at things from an opposite perspective and finding a way to bridge the gap. This can make uh, and take many forms, and depending on the conflict might require more and more repeated attempts. Not getting it right the first time is okay. Both people must be alert to their own and their internal and their partner's emotions so that they know what they can tolerate and what they need to focus on more. People in the strongest relationships share the repair work. So it's a combined effort, working together to get a little bit better. Strong emotional intelligence is a great asset in parenting. The skill of managing emotions instead of letting them out and get control of you profoundly benefits children who need their parents' help to learn to accept and navigate their own tumultuous feelings. If you're a parent, and if I had read this two years ago, I wouldn't have had as much uh, connection to it, but I, I do now. Show your child that what she thinks and feels is valid. It's toughest for a parent to model restraint and control just at those chaotic moments when it would do the most good. And that takes awareness. So there we go. That is the full Now, what has become a two-parter introduction to emotional intelligence and touching on lots of things around it and repeating myself in lots of ways, I hope it gave you a good perspective of the framework and it'll give you interest and hopefully pique your interest into the episodes that are coming and uh, there's going to be so much good stuff in that. I'm learning from doing this. I hope you guys are uh, over the, the framework. We're going to talk about self-awareness in detail, self-assessment, which will be part of the self-awareness 
uh, quadrant or, or, or component area, we'll go into self-confidence, self-efficacy, self-esteem, and self-motivation. And this is the whole section that we're going to touch on next around self. And what will be interesting in, in before we go into that, as I was doing this and as I was putting together some of these, I thought, right, we're talking a lot about self. But I think it's important, it's a, we're talking a lot about self-awareness and self-confidence and efficacy of self not really addressing what is self and kind of pulling the the uh, layers back on understanding that because it's a term we use automatically all the time but probably don't question what we really mean and what a psychologist's view or even a philosopher's view on self is. So I wanted to put a, a full episode together with um, with self as the topic and I'm delighted to be recording an interview with um, a doctor from UCC focusing on self in the near future but that'll be coming out directly after this one and hopefully one that you can listen into and learn something about the self because I'm very excited about that one so there you go hope you're on board hope you enjoyed this lots more to come and we'll continue with one percent better interviews as well some of them are going to be tied into this some of them aren't but we'll just keep releasing and as I said there's links in the notes for this episode to a lot of the stuff that I talked about and hopefully you enjoyed it thanks for listening Please do share it with others if you think they might get something out of this. It's a bit of an experiment from my perspective. It'll get different and change and develop as we go through it. And thanks for listening uh, to me probably in a very croaky voice for the last 45 minutes in the last episode. I've been suffering a little bit, but hopefully uh, that didn't deter from your enjoyment. Okay, have a great day. Thanks for listening. Good luck. Hey folks, thanks so much for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, could you please consider helping me extend the reach of the podcast that a little bit further? You can do that in a number of ways. The number one way is to subscribe on your app of choice. This helps me with the chart ranking, leading to more folks stumbling across the podcast and checking it out. You could also repost it on your social media channels. Any of them would be great. And maybe even tell a friend in person or over the phone. Pick up the phone, give them a call and tell them about the 1% Better podcast. Tell them about this episode or one that you've heard in the past. And it will do. I would really appreciate it. In the last year, we set up a 1% Better Slack community, which you can join for free. And interact with me and other members of the community and improve through holding each other accountable and sharing monthly challenges. It's a lot of fun. Check it out. I'm into season four of this incredible journey and the more of these interviews and solo shows that I research, record and share, the better I believe that they get and more loaded with actionable takeaways that you can learn from. I know I've learned so much from it so far, and it's always really, really fulfilling and rewarding when I hear from you on what you took from it. So do reach out, rob at robofthegreen.ie. And of everybody that listens, 90% listen and enjoy, but only around 10% actually take action, write down takeaways and put them into practice. I am convinced that if we can move that number a bit higher, the listeners will not only make steps forward towards their goals, but they will be more fulfilled and happy and better. Change doesn't happen overnight. It is hard. 
but it's all about taking the first step, whatever that is for you. You can absolutely do this. Make a plan, be deliberate, take action. Don't overreach. Start with those small incremental improvements and over time you will see great progress. It's all in the pursuit of betterness. So again, thank you so much for listening. Good luck and stay safe.